0: Let me begin with um, a paraphrase of the famous comment of uh, the Mesil HaShasharim in his Hakdama, in the spirit of uh, what he says there, which is that there are some uh, basic principles, some axioms, that are so fundamental that uh, we begin to take them for granted. Um, They're ignored precisely because they're so central and so ubiquitous. People don't think that they have to repeat them and then, eventually, ironically, sadly, ironically, um, people begin to um, to forget or to ignore um, some of those fundamental principles. So, uh, before we begin with the topic at hand, which is uh, the idea of um, uh, equal and different, as I recall, right? Equal and different. Uh, Halacha's perspective on diverse roles. Um, just like to begin with the uh, preamble, as it will, as it were. Thank you. I think, okay, Um, with the preamble uh, to this topic and to many other topics like it. To live a full and ambitious uh, life of Avodah Hashem, one must first and foremost commit, clearly, to the details of Torah mitzvot. That's the minimum sine qua non for being a Torah Jew. Torah begins with the words Bereshis, and Chazal immediately interpret B'Shvil haTorah shenikra Rashis and then when we get to Yom Hashishi, Rashi again quotes the Chazal that you know this Shishi, if not for that Shishi, sixth day of Sivan when the Torah was given, if not for Klali Yisrael receiving and committing to Torah on that particular day, the world really could not have continued or shouldn't have continued. It would have reverted to a state of Tohu Vavohu. And that's why the Mishnah says in the end of Makos that Ratza Baruch Hu is Yisrael, Lefikach Hirbalem Toro Mitzvos, that the ultimate benefit that we could have been given by the Rabbanah Shalom was not only a code of life, but one which allows us uh, diverse ways to relate to Avodas <laughs> Hashem, multiple ways. Uh, therefore, it's Laharbos, Lazakos Yisrael, Lefikach Hirbalahem. The Rambam explains in Pirosh Mishnais, in the end of Makos, that it's important to have uh, so many opportunities of avodas Hashem so that each individual can find his special path, his niche. Everybody is obligated to do everything, and there's a certain level of specialization um, in addition. So on the one hand, the first uh, point is that being a Torah Jew means fully committing to the observance, the punctilious observance, of the details of Torah and of Halakha, and finding one's identity, um, developing one's identity uh, in that process. But equally important is to commit to the values that undergird the system of the norms of the halacha. In other words, to embrace the hashkafa, if you will, the Weltanschauung of halacha, that emerges from the cumulative patterns and the evidence of halachic sources, together with the mesora, the traditions that are developed in Chazal, in the Medrash, and in Agadah, some from the world of Kabbalah, and certainly from our Mesorah, our tradition, of how these values were understood uh, timelessly by Jewish communities throughout the ages. It's interesting to note that in Parshas Mishpatim, the Torah records the commitment of Klal Yisrael to the Torah at the time of Sinai and our tupsukim, which seem very similar, but are slightly varied. Uh, One, of course, speaks about the commitment to mitzvahs themselves, uh, the obligation um, of Naseh. But that pasuk um, actually is not the foundation of our commitment to Torah life. It establishes that Klau Yisrael did something very singular in their acceptance of the Torah, in that it was a system of norms. Most religions are basically a system of beliefs or creed. And while it's a gross exaggeration, I think uh, I spoke about this from a Torah web platform once, talked about what a Jew is obligated to believe. So it's certainly a gross and an egregious uh, exaggeration or mistake to say, as Mendelssohn did, that the only creed of Judaism is its creedlessness. There are Ikariya and they're very central um, to Yahadus, indispensable to our commitment. The fact is that when Khal Yisrael said Naseh, already they were doing something remarkable in the phenomenology of religion. They were accepting upon themselves not just loose or general beliefs, but an entire immersion, comprehensive commitment to Torah and to mitzvahs. But what's fascinating is that it's only a few psukim, psukim later that the Torah really comes up with the maxim which defines halachic commitment in the bigger sense. And that is, mm-hmm. not, not Naseh, but Naseh v'nishma. And the question is, what does Naseh v'nishma add? In some respects, it may seem like a dilution given the original commitment, which simply was Naseh. But the fact is that there are two elements that enhance this second Kabbalah, and that's why it emerged as the formulation of halachic commitment from then to our own time. Firstly, that even after an exposure to the rationales, to the undergirding of the system, even after understanding it better, because they heard it, and they could also say nishma the primary surrender to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will was still unqualified. It was still Naseh, even after the Nishma. But more importantly, the second element. And that is, there was a commitment for a Nishma, but a Nishma which would stem from the Naseh. In other words, the ultimate surrender to Hashem's will is to accept not only the details of Halacha and not only its rationale, but the inner logic of halacha, namely the values that emerge from the halachic system, which don't necessarily coordinate with the values that we're exposed to in our daily life, living in a larger society. The ability to commit, not only to halachic practice, but to the hashkafa, to the values of halacha, and for those values to flow from, to come out of, the commitment to halacha itself, that was truly a commitment that was timeless and that defined Kal Yisrael's commitment from that point on. Indeed, the Ramban, uh, as a leitmotif in his Allah Torah, discusses the idea of accepting not only the details of halacha, but the implications, the philosophy behind it. In the very famous passage in Parshas Kedoshim, the Ramban explains that the Torah often speaks in very general terms, especially after it finishes delineating specifics, like when it says, Kedoshim Tiyu, be holy, after numerous individual um, uh, uh, details and norms, in order to establish that beyond those details there is a philosophy of halacha. There are values. An altihi naval Pirshus It's important not to use your knowledge to kind of uh, technically Be compliant with the details of halacha. That, of course, is critical. That's part of the scrupulous, meticulous observance that we spoke of before. But that's only the first step. That's only the minimum. What you need to do after that is understand the system, be immersed in it, surrender your will to it, and adopt a value system which is consistent with those details. So that somebody who is technically compliant but knows how to game the system, if you will, is somebody who is flawed, deeply flawed, as an Obed Hashem, as an Isha Halacha. And the Ramban says this is true in the area of Kidoshim Tiyu, And it is true, he says, if you look at my parish in Devarim, Andviasisaha Yashar Vatov, which deals with a much broader area of law, Choshim Mishpat, not Kedusha Sanctity, but Yashar Yashrus and Tov Mishpat. And it's true, says the Ramban, if you look at my Parish in Parshas MR. About something like Shabbos, where there's a mitzvah sase of shvi'isa Shabbos, and that mitzvah sase of shvi'isa Shabbos comes to add beyond the thirty-nine avos malacha the spirit of Shabbos. The Roman explains that in theory, if a person knew the lametzes avos malachos well enough and he was cynical enough, he could keep his business open on Shabbos, and if there's a good arov in the community, there could be deliveries. It would almost be indistinguishable the day of Shabbos from a day of chol. <coughs> the Mitzvah say of Shabbos, like Kadoshim Tiyu and like Vasisa so Yashar Vatob, demand of us that we embrace not only the details, but that we embrace the philosophy behind Halakha, that we be enthusiastic in understanding that this is the method that we develop a connection with Akarj Baruchu, how we are able to overcome the human problem of life, how can impotent, uh, flawed, puny man develop a connection with Akarish Baruch Hu who is omnipotent and omniscient, and simply beyond even our description? The answer is, because our gave us a gift, he gave us Torah Mitzvos, that is the bridge, that's the source of Devar HaShem, it's the Achtut Hamaskil Muskal. by attaching ourselves to those details and to that philosophy, the values behind them, we're able to do what otherwise would be philosophically, theologically impossible and without which we'd have no meaning in our lives, we're able to develop a relationship with Akadish Baruch. Rav Shamsherufal Hirsch, um, as a, again a, a major motif in all of his writings, but he has a very nice essay in one of his uh, volumes of the Collected Writings, or to be more accurate, the Gazamel to Schriften, um, speaks about this idea of how one relates to the society in which you live. Rav Hirsch was a very worldly figure. He was very culturally attuned. He was you know, uh, very, very uh, uh, much acquainted with uh, uh, everything that was going on in his time. And yet he was a lion. He was a fighter for the integrity of Torah. And he explains, kavata itam la Torah, in a homiletic way, really means that the rabot of in the Olam MS is going to turn to the individual and he's going to ask him how did you live your life particularly how did you face the challenge of living in a society in which you were exposed to all sorts of values values that are consistent with halakha and values that in some cases are incompatible with halakha kavata itim la Torah did you essentially adopt the Torah as your prism to use Rav Soloveitchik's words as a filter you, did you live the life of an Isha Halacha who engaged society on the terms of the Torah? Or, Kavata Torah Le'itim? Or, were you technically compliant, but perhaps flawed in your values? And this, of course, is the first question, the axiomatic issue, which sometimes gets forgotten because it's so basic, but which is a linchpin in relating to all issues um, of this type. The ultimate, Avot HaShem, is to embrace then the values, the themes, the Hashkafa, even when they are incompatible with prevailing culture. And even though, this is a topic in its own right, engagement with culture is a reality and is often something which is extremely constructive and ideal. Having said that, as our preamble, so let's move on to the topic itself. Let us address very briefly, because we don't have that much time, The notion of equality and diversity, um, as understood generally in other cultures, we'll take one in particular, and as understood in Torah thought. An important objective theme in all cultures is this question of how one um, uh, interacts between the notions of uniformity, equality on the one hand, and diversity, diverse expressions on the other. In our society, this has become a very current issue, it always has been in America, a place which has been described as a melting pot, a land of immigrants, people coming from all sorts of cultural backgrounds, uh, with wide repercussions in our society, but in recent times, the unfettered or unconstrained embrace of what is sometimes called egalitarianism, which only really means equality, but has come to mean much more than that, almost what I would call probably not the advocates would not agree an uncritical equality one which knows of no differences whatsoever um, that has had tremendous impact and its implications um, on the lives of Ode Hashem who live in that society is something which we need to contend with so let me begin just by crystallizing um, the prevalent ethos There was, of course, uh, as is well known, in 1954, a very famous um, Supreme Court ruling in the Warren Court at the time called Brown versus Board of Education. We're not going to go into all the pratim. But this ruling declared that racially based school separation was unconstitutional based on the principle, quote, that separate educational facilities are inherently unequal. Well, that ruling is to be applauded from a halachic perspective, as race is something which is certainly irrelevant to distinctiveness. And any suggestion to the contrary is certainly offensive and objectionable. The broader notion, as it has kind of developed in American society beyond that particular application, that every different is also unequal, which has gained currency in particularly in recent times taking on some very extreme manifestations in our era, and particularly, I have to say, in the last um, five years, and even in the last year, in some very peculiar applications, which promulgates an unfettered and uncritical egalitarianism, as I noted a moment ago, in almost all realms, has come to threaten religious integrity, even religious liberty, and even meaningful cultural diversity in this country. Although, Certainly, I'm less concerned about that than I am about um, the possibility of meaningful avodas Hashem uh, in this society. While baseless discrimination, based upon racial or other arbitrary considerations, is reprehensible and antithetical to Torah ideology, the notion of different obligations and appropriate diverse expressions of spiritual halachic life and perhaps other realms of life is something that is certainly axiomatic in Yadus. In a uh, very beautiful essay um, that was published um, in um, a group of essays by Ravaren Soloveitchik Zatal some years ago, he wrote a very nice article on um, civil rights and the dignity of man, in which he expressed um, this dialectic very clearly. From the standpoint of Torah, there can be no distinction between one human being and another on the basis of race or color. Any discrimination shown to a human being on account of the color of his or her skin constitutes loathsome barbarity. It must be conceded that the Torah recognizes a distinction between Jew and non-Jew, which we will elaborate. This distinction, however, is not based upon race, origin, or color, but rather upon Kedusha, the holiness endowed by having been given and accepted the Torah. Furthermore, the distinction between Jew and non-Jew does not involve any concept of inferiority, but is based primarily upon the unique and special burdens that are incumbent upon Jews. The concept of Atav Echartanu, you, O God, have chosen, is implicit in the verse, and you shall say to Paro, thus say, God, Israel is my son, my firstborn. All the people of the world, in view of the perfect future, are the children of Hashem, inasmuch as in the end they will recognize the sovereignty of God. Israel is, and will always remain, the eldest son, the pioneer, and so on. And then later on, he repeats this idea and explains that the key, to quote Habrio's the dignity of all human beings, constitutes the basis of human rights. The maxim man was endowed by his creator with certain inalienable rights was not an innovation of the founders of the American Republic. These men were impressed with the doctrine of human rights, which flows naturally from the concept of the dignity of man and the image of God in which he created man. The concept of the Kodabrios is the basis of all civilized jurisprudence, as well as the laws of justice in the Torah. But, another paragraph, while Jewish jurisprudence is in one respect begets modern civil law, in another respect, it is distinct and unique. Insofar as the idea of human rights emanating from our common image of, a, of God, Selim Elohim, is at the core of all Mishpatim, the two codes of law are similar. However, Torah law is certainly distinct and unique, in that whereas modern jurisprudence is completely and exclusively grounded in human rights, Torah jurisprudence is additionally founded upon the pillars of duties, which we will get back to. This, of course, is a very um, important uh, and powerful statement, but one which I have to say, and this is meant as a compliment, not as a criticism, is not in the least um, innovative or mechudash. Avarn Salvechik Zatzal uh, beautifully captures and encapsulates what is an um, axiom in halachic life and what is rooted in the classical mikoros from the beginning uh, of Tanakh, including Chazal, down to the authoritative expositors of our own day. The halacha, while strongly advocating what the Rav Zatzal called axiological equality, the equality of human beings per se as Tzela um, all humans who have that capacity uh, are equal in that respect, and the equality of kedusha Israel, of sanctity of Jewish people between all segments within Jewish society, we'll discuss Kohanim, Leviim, Yisraelim, and of course between the genders, male and female, also emphatically embraces the notion of multiple and diverse roles and even destinies for different populations within the Jewish world, and in comparing Jews and non-Jews in the bigger world of human beings. The Halakha projects an ambitious and complex system of interlocking, overlapping, diverse statuses that aspire for greater specialization and diversity, a mosaic or a kaleidoscopic perspective on a Avot HaShem that enhances the even more dominant motif, which exists and has to exist, side by side with it, the theme of uniformity. This vision, or ideology, of diverse roles, then, is not a concession, but an expression of a greater divine spiritual ambition, or design, for the totality of mankind, on one level, on one plane, as well as for yahadut and the world of Halacha, um, in its own realm. A brief survey within the world of Abod HaShem, certainly demonstrates this dialectic. On the one hand, we have a core principle which can be articulated by the language of the psukim and is the source for many dinim, mishpat echad ye'elochem, which means that mostly Jews are obligated uniformly. Their rights, their obligations, their status, and so on. The aggressive opposition to the zakimamre is precisely because shaloyu toros; is somebody who threatens the unity of practice and therefore of status of members of Chal Yisrael. The expanded view of Chal Yisrael Arevim Zelazet. every Jew is a guarantor for every other Jew which allows Jews to accomplish things for their neighbor Shlichus even in situations where for reasons of diversity which we'll discuss in a moment there are discrepancies between Jews all of this highlights the uniformist idea. When it comes to Kedushas Yisrael when it comes to Knusha Sachayim, the Chaybohem, Pikuach Nefesh, when it comes to the shared purpose of life, the raison d'etre of life itself, basically all Jews are equal men, women, Kohanim, Leviim, Yisraelim, Malachim, etc. The powerful phrase at the end of Koheles, Softavara HaKol Nishma, Etu Alekim Yerat, Mitzosav, Shimor, Kizek Kol HaAdam, which attempts to answer that philosophical dilemma that intrigues us all, in some cases that haunts us all, the purpose of life, is a f- sentence which, of course, is addressed to every single member of Kallah Yisrael, men, women, Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim, etc. At the same time, the diversity of roles and dinim is equally unequivocal. And we'll discuss it. Um, the Shvatim are treated differently not legally but certainly there's an effort as we'll discuss soon to accentuate those separate distinctive units which apparently reflect different balance uh, or emphases Kahuna and Lavia and Kahuna and Lvia are different too we'll touch on it very quickly each of these is a topic in its own right but we want to give a bigger picture today Malchus and of course the hot button issue of the day, and you know, one which objectively um, requires our attention, and that of course is the difference between the genders. Zakhar Unikeva, The Kosavashlishi B'nei Ham, how can you have Vishpad Echadial uniformity equal Kedusha Sisral and Kedusha Sachayim on the one hand, and so much built in, structured in diversity at every step, almost dizzying diversity? Um, at the same time, in my opinion, is the unity of Klaus Yisrael, a critical dimension or plane of spiritual halachic existence that allows for the bridging and justifies specialization that enhances the totality. If we were to look at every Jew as an island, then the fact that there were Kohanim, or certain individuals only had access to Malchus, or certain genders were restricted. Uh, to one kind of activity, or focused on one kind of activity or another, would truly be problematic. But, atem nitzavim ayom kulchem, together with a delineation of the distinctive segments, ziknechem, and so on and so forth, the notion of hakel, which both unifies, and again accentuates, the different diverse populations, anything connected with life in Eretz Yisrael, which is built on this notion of the collective, all of this essentially establishes that we have to look at diversity as something which in the end enriches the totality of Kalal Yisrael or, taking the bigger picture, talking about Jews and non-Jews, human life and the capacity of man to create a society worthy of the of Shalala. The Shalala and others make a very fascinating, very obvious comment. We speak about Taryag Mitzvos, six hundred and thirteen. Uh, according to one tradition, it's broken down from Evarim and gidim. The idea seems to be that this constitutes symbolically a holistic equilibrium, right? It's the homeostasis of life, taryag mitzvos. But, when you think about it, there's a serious problem or flaw. No individual can accomplish Tariag mitzvos. Not a single one. There are things that Kohanim can't do. There are things that Yisraelim can't do. There are things that men can't do. Nebuch. There are some things that women can't do. Also Nebuch. Or maybe not. Both. Maybe not. Um, it's impossible for any individual to accomplish Tariag mitzvos. And therefore, how can anybody achieve this perfect synthesis? balance homeostasis. But as the Shalah and others explain, the idea is that Klal Yisrael achieves Tariyag And the Tziruf that we have, Kol Yisrael azeh, to the totality of the mission of Klal Yisrael, is sufficient to justify the number and the symbol. There are numerous P'sukim and Halachos that demonstrate the Tziruf of Yisraelim to the process of avodas Kahuna and Leviah even to the work of the Kohen Gadol, as well as to the office of the Melech. His source of authority is Klaal Yisrael, the collective Tzibor. The idea of shluche Dirachmana and shluche Didan, I mean, Willig was speaking about the Rabbanim as Shluchai comes from that, certainly, but very specifically, arebus and other elements. All of these identify, all of these establish that while there are areas that are diverse and in which individuals cannot participate, every member of Kali Yisrael, as a member of the Tsibor, is intimately connected with every obligation, all of the taryag that other members of Kali Yisrael are connected to, and the same is true with gender differences as well. Men are women. Men are linked to the obligations that are very specific to women, women are linked to the obligations that are very specific to men, and this is demonstrated in the halacha, we don't have time to do it right now Um, often, again and again. The policy of specialization and the richness then of diversity basically establishes yahadus in its realm and spirituality in the broader human realm the malachas koanim and goy kadosh variety as a kind of a symphony, hopefully not a cacophony, one which is mostly mishpat echad y'alachem, most people are playing the same tune, but enriched by the variety of the different instruments and even the variety of the chords themselves. As long as what emerges is a coherent whole, more to the point, a coherent whole which is enhanced by the diversity of its parts. Let's speak very specifically, just for a few minutes, about each of these areas. I have the, uh, it says here, when men and women, Jews and Gentiles, calling Levi, Israel, Rabbi, Laman. Uh, the Rabbi Laman, I'll leave, because I'm sure Rabbi Willig took care of it. It sounded like, um, you know, everything that needed to be said was said. Let me speak very briefly about some of the other categories. And, Ud Moed. each one of these, they say, could be and should be elaborated on. Jews and non Jews. How do we understand that interaction? Kalal Yisrael's distinctiveness, as formulated as Mamlechas Koanim Begoi Kadosh, is certainly significant. Bini Bechori Yisrael basically accentuates that the relationship between Kalal Yisrael and the Umbos Ha'olam is like a Bechor in a family. Mamlechas Koanim Begoi Kadosh means that we are the Koanim of the larger human population. And that, of course, establishes exactly this dialectic. On the one hand, equal Kavra Brios and Selim Elohim. Even those Mefarshim who are extremely focused on the chosenness of Kal Yisrael. Everybody is, but some mafarshim even more. Yudah Levi, uh, the Maaral. Maaral has very interesting pieces throughout his works in which, although he stresses the unique mission of Kal Yisrael he accentuates the notion that Selim Elohim applies equally and Chaviv Adam shenivra B'Tzelem to Jews and to non-Jews. Um, from the very beginning of the Torah until Avram Avinu, we read of the history of humanity, Adam, Noach, obviously. Avram Avinu himself, initially, after his name is changed, is one who emerges as Av Hamon Goyim. He interacts with Yishmael and each of these need to be elaborated because our, the Pratim really illuminates this dialectic. After the Akedah, Ki Kikare El l'chazara, Vayelchu shnei am repeated three times in that Parsha, no more significant Parsha in the Torah than the Akedah, certainly at that point, Atiyadati Kirelo kimata, and immediately Akhari advar ma'ela, Avram Avinu returns to check on the rest of his family, albeit not the family that will be his primary legacy and destiny, but he interacts and interconnects with that group as well, as he did earlier with Lot, who is partially his brother, certainly when he's in need, and so on. The fact is that all of Tanakh establishes that we haven't lost contact with the rest of the world of humanity will be a time when all people will be um, commonly joined in the vision of avodas of, HaShem uh, in different ways. But again, the pattern, the model, is one of Mamleches Koanim the Goy Kadosh. When it comes to the sanctity that emerges as a result of Selam Elohim, equality and respect, at the same time, a recognition of important differences based on Kabbalah Satora, a much greater um, commitment and immersion in Dvar Hashem. Indeed, even the Jewish perspective on the rest of humanity highlights this dialectic. On the one hand, again, uniformity, Sheva HaMitzvah B'nai Noach and the concept of Gertoshev apply across the board to all non-Jews. At the same time, there is a notion in Chazal of Shivim Umos, something which has Halachic significance as well, Ba'er Heitev the Shivim Lashon, Yushalayim has seventy names, an acknowledgment that despite the equal status of non Jews, each culture, each of the seventy distinctive non Jewish cultures, also has a role to play. Lohare Yeshmael Esav not in Tanakh, and not in the words of Chazal and indeed the rejection of the Migdal Bavel mentality may have been precisely due to the effort to homogenize and to make uniform to such an extent that this kind of diversity or different roles within humanity would have been obliterated. Torah tells us in Parshas Noach, as we know, that Haaret Sapa chinor by we know the story and we know what happened. But in the end, the way the Torah describes it is that the Rabbonu Shalom seems to be blaming this uniformity for the theological flaw. And so on. Indeed, an appreciation of value of the differences between different cultures is an aspect of Yadus itself. At the same time, clearly the much bigger theme is the difference between Kedushas Yisrael and Selam Elokim, an area which divides us from the rest of the non-Jewish world and determines that the dialectic of universal and particularistic is weighed, weighted in a certain way. The Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach need to be um, uh, scrutinized in terms of their relationship with the 613. The extra Chi of Misa, or the extra uh, severe Onesh on the one hand, and the overlaps, when there are overlaps in the mitzvos, present a fascinating study at precisely in this issue of uniformity and diversity. Even when there's overlap, there are differences, and even despite the differences, there are some overlaps. In the Yamam Naraim, at a time which is very special for Klal Yisrael, we, sent, we make as a central uh, emphasis the status of the rest of the world, as we know. Karbanos are brought on Chagasukos, and at the same time, the bigger picture is the picture of the Chiras Yisrael. The Ramban, in a famous comment in his Parashalah Torah, addresses the question of why it is that Jews are not allowed to take interest. And they're obligated every seven years to cancel debts of their fellow co-religionists, Shemitah Tzachafim. And when it comes to non-Jews, there is no such prohibition. According to the Rambam, it's actually prohibited to apply this uh, special chesed uh, to non-Jews. And the Rambam was bothered by it. The Rambam says, I don't understand. Do we discriminate against the non-Jewish world? Do we belittle their um, stature as human beings, I'm elaborating a little bit, but that's essentially what he asks. And Ramban's answer reflects, again, a certain perspective <coughs> which is helpful in understanding this general principle. Ramban says, there are aspects of the relationship between Jews and Jews which are singular because every Jew is a family member. Every Jew is Re'echa and he's also Achicha. And it would be I'm adding this emphasis. Achzari, it would be actually improper; it would be cruel to treat your family members indistinguishably from your neighbors, even from good neighbors. Never mind people who you have even less to do with. The hierarchy of interaction is a function of a common vision, common ideology, a common commitment to Torah and to mitzvot. The immersion in Taryag, as opposed to Zion establishes that Kedushas Israel is inimitable. Anything that stems from Kedushas Israel is going to distinguish the relationship between Jews and non-Jews, notwithstanding the perspective of respect, of equality when it comes to kavod Abrios and selam elokim. Indeed, this is precisely what Yaakov Avinu said to Laban in that faithful discussion between them. When Lavan finally um, acknowledges that Yaakov is going to go on his way, he finally uh, suggests a pact between them, and he suggests that Elokei Abraham, Elokei Nachar, Yishbitu Ve'neinu, Elokei Avihem. Let us ecumenically, right, swear in the name of our common fathers' gods, Elokei Nachar, Elokei Abraham, Yaakov Avinu pointedly responds, respectfully but pointedly, he does enter into the covenant, but the Jews have to know when to be universalist and when it's appropriate to be very specifically particularistic. That's a much bigger topic, but the principle is clear. Equality, in many respects, diversity, there are consequences to diversity, they have momentum, family is different than neighbors, and so on. Within the Jewish community and the Jewish world, we encounter diversity and uniformity as well, as we noted. Mostly, we're speaking about a singular, a single concept of Kedusha, a uniform concept of Kedusha Sisrael, as opposed to the relationship of Jews and non-Jews, where Kedusha Sisrael is a big difference. But even here, we encounter significant diversity and being committed to the values of the system, it's a diversity that we embrace, uh, and a diversity which allows for an enhancement of Avod HaShem of each segment and of the totality of Kal Yisrael. The history of the Avos themselves, Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, the Midos that each one cultivated and uh, uh, provided as a legacy for the rest of uh, Kal Yisrael, the Dor-e-doros, the focus on the Shvatim, the bracha of Yaakov, I'm sorry I'm rushing, but we have to end soon, I understand. In Parshas VaYechi, which was very specific to each one of the Shvatim, but which in the end, as Rashi, quoting the Medrash notes, also applied to each one of them, accentuates different contribution and strengths, even as the uniformity is still there. It's fascinating that the Shvatim remain a separate unit in Kal Yisrael, even though they don't have a different halachic status but in the carrying of the Mishkan, or Atsmos Yosef. In Yerushas Eretz Yisrael, we divide according to Shvatim, there's a debate between the Rishonim, whether that makes any difference in terms of the actual uh, portions. Rashi and Ramban, based on the Gemara. Each position is innovative and fascinating in a different way. The fact that being part of the Shevet might give you a different size portion is surely significant. The fact that it does not, and yet you apportion according to each Shevet, highlights in a different way, this hierarchy or these differences and how important they remain. When it came to Yerusha Seretz Yisrael, Shvatim remained the category. When it came to certain matters of Bezdin, the notion of a Bezna Shevet in the Horio sense, Ramban has a different notion of this in the beginning of Parsha Shoptim. The Nisim each one was appointed from a different Shevet, each one who brought a similar Matana or Karban, but according to Chazal, each with a very different Machshaba or lishma. Again, highlight this notion of diversity, each contributing and enhancing the totality, even as mostly <coughs> we deal also with uniformity. When we move to Kahuna, there we encounter a much more substantive division. Kahuna, the original B'chor, the transition from B'chor to Kahuna, is a topic, again, which requires a lot of elaboration, very relevant to this topic. Initially, Torah view was, or at least temporarily, that every family be able to partake in the Kahuna in that special avoda, but only the B'chor. Then the decision or whether that was always the decision, Machlokas and the Mepharshim, to diffuse, instead of diffusing it across all Kal Yisrael by means of the B'chor, but to take one group, one Shevet, Shevet Levi, and one part of Shevet Levi, Kahuna, to be the specialists when it came to the Avoda, that is a very fascinating, obviously, uh, transition. And when we say Beni B'chori Yisrael, obviously, that's much of what we have in mind terms of comparing Klaus Yisrael to the rest of the Umasa'ola. When it comes to the question of Aboda, the concept of Zar, we're talking about a very serious limitation for members of Klaus Yisrael and expansion for Kohanim, something that affects every aspect of their life. Tumas Kohanim and Avel, the kind of women that they can marry in Ishus, obviously matters having to do with the Aboda itself. In the case of Kahuna, we're not dealing with a difference in Kedushas Yisrael, but we're dealing with an additional concept of Kedusha, Kedushas Kahuna the Kedashto. When it comes to Levi, in some respects, it's even more fascinating. Because the Leviim didn't have a special sanctity. There's no Kedushas Leviah, at least according to many of the Mepharshim. The Leviim had a special status of Sherut, of Avodah they had what the Rav Zatzal used to call Minui, not necessarily Kedusha. They had different roles, even though their level of sanctity was identical. When Korach's rebellion took place, something that the Rav Zatzal... Are you okay? Something that the Rav Zatzal called the Common Sense Rebellion, but really, which was a rebellion based on the concept of uniformity or identity in the lowest common denominator. Almost a repeat of the Migdal Babel story. ha'eda kulam kedoshim Hashem, lama tisnasu al Hashem. As Rashi, quoting the Medrash, explains, everybody was there at Sinai. The fact that some people were more prepared and qualified and in a leadership position is glossed over. The lowest common denominator of uniformity is the foundation of Korach's objection to Moshe Rabbeinu's Malchus and to Aaron Cohen's Kahuna, possibly to the Leviim as well. In a sense, it reflects the real rationale of specialization and enhancement. That's exactly the point. We don't want the lowest common denominator, the homogenization um, of all aspects of spiritual life. It's important that there be specialists, that there be focus, that there be a legacy and a mesorah of training for different groups in order to enhance the totality of the commitment of Kal then and in every generation. So, Levim and Kohanim represent, each in its own way, one, an added level of Kedusha, Kedusha's Kuna. In the case of Levim, pure Avoda, or Sheirut, precisely this aspect. When the Rambam wants to highlight Jewish leadership in the end of Hilkos Shemit of he speaks about the Leviim as the paradigm, them as the Chel Hashem, literally the army of leadership in Klal Yisrael. When a Levi is the only person in Shul, I'm sorry, when a Levi is in Shul and there is no Kohen, the Gemar tells us in Masachet Gitin, that nispar da and Rashi quotes three different shittos. What happens? Do you give the Levi the aliyah instead of the Cohen? Can you give him, or you dafka can't give him? And of course, partially the issue is our issue: to what extent does the Levi emerge as a separate category that is just part of the hierarchy Kohen, Levi, Israel, or is it only in very specific framework that he emerges? Um, in different light, precisely because it's not his status per se, but the function and the way that he interacts with the coin on the one hand and the Yisrael on the other, that really establishes that principle. Keser Malchus, Keser Torah, I'm going to skip for now, but they too can be analyzed in the same way. Let me finally speak about the gender issue, presently the focus of much attention, but one which, again, I think it requires this perspective, this broader framework, in order to properly understand the Torah's perspective. Uh, As we've demonstrated, the notion of equal but different, and some of the consequences, both of the equal and of the different, and the ongoing dialectic between them, is a Torah approach across the board. And of course, it's applied in the area of gender relations as well. This is something which, again, flows from the very first psukim that the Torah um, uh, um, articulates about the creation of man and the separating of the genders. Vayivro is Adam in singular, zakhar unikeva bara osam, in plural. And then, b'varech osam, and so on. Both the process by which woman was separated from man, the different phases and the Medrish's understanding and the language that the Torah uses Ezer Konegdo, etc. all highlight two primary axioms that are at the foundation the principles of understanding gender relationship um, the Rav Zatzal in numerous essays that were printed in the last number of years in a book called Family Redeemed and Rav Hirsch in his uh, collection of essays as well, uh, each writing a century apart, but almost uh, interchangeably, as Chachmah and Sora are are sometimes wont to do, and totally representative of the evidence and the Hashkafa and the Halakha, all the traditional sources, essentially, emphatically, um, accentuate these two principles. On one hand, the principle of equal kedushas Yisrael, and on the other hand, the theme of uh, different roles. The fact is that women are the source of kedushas Israel. Yisrael. Judaism is carried on through the woman's side, in the case, Khalilah, of an intermarriage. The Rav notes this to accentuate total rejection of any notion of inferiority of role by virtue of um, the fact that there are a few less Chiyov HaMitzvahs. Chazal, of course speak glowingly about the role of men and of women, equally of women, in some cases in superior fashion of women, Bina Yaseira, Biskus Noshim Tzidkonyos, Chazal ascribe in some cases spiritual superiority to the woman. Rav Aron Salavechik's Hatzal, in a book of essays that I mentioned before, suggests that the less former, formal, less titular and rigid role is something that reflects, again, this superiority. Makes a distinction between the notion of kibush and chazaka, conquest and cultivation. He argues that man really um, you know, has uh, refined the mida of conquest. That's his particular focus in life. Whereas women um, have achieved excellence in the area of cultivation. Indeed... These two perspectives, as I say, underlie the Halacha, the Kabbalah, Chazal, and those who discuss these things in later um, uh, centuries, uh, zero in on them as well. When it comes to *Selam Elokim*, men and women are equal. Zachar Unakebab Biraam. Chazal speak about women being part of the initial creation. Du partzufim, there being men and a woman's side of the same human being that was ultimately separated, the purpose of that in order to accent the total equality of the genders. When it comes to Kedush HaShachayim, the Bohem, P'Koch Nefesh, when it comes to the large, large, large majority of mitzvos, all labin, uh, most Essen, even some of the famous Mitzvah ha'seishas mangrama Grama are exceptions to the rule of Noshim pturos. There are actually very few differences in um, the actual obligations um, of men and women, certainly when it comes to the linchpins uh, of Yadus, Avos Hashem and Yura Hashem and Avodas Sashem, when it comes to applying that final pasuk in Koheles, Sof Tavara Kol Nishma Eftol Shimar, Shemar Kizek Kol HaAdam, there is absolutely no difference between the genders. I'm going to read from R' because his writings are a little less known than of but Really, they write the same thing. No Jewish concept has suffered more from distortion than the present day notion of the position accorded in Judaism to the Jewish woman. Even though every page of the Jewish Bible, every word of Jewish tradition, every leaf of Jewish history, indeed every Jewish home, past and present, bears unambiguous and eloquent testimony to the contrary, current popular notions of the position of women in the Orient have been exploited, this is in his time. Uh, to help spread the most baseless fantasies about the degradation and subordination of womanhood in Israel. The modern era is glorified above all for its efforts to deliver Jewish womanhood from the yoke of oriental degradation. And of course he thinks that that is absolutely um, absurd. Let us attempt to outline the terms in which the word of God expresses the role of the Jewish women. Let us examine Jewish law that regulates her position, the realities of Jewish history, um, and so on. And he explains that... Uh, The story of creation, occurring as it does in the very first introduction of man and woman in the story of creation, this change most significantly expresses the complete equality, indeed the close union of man and woman as human beings created in the image of God. And then he goes on to explain the different roles of Zachar and Nekeva. Zachar depository of revelations of God, the intellectual and spiritual achievements of mankind. Man has been entrusted with zichron, preservation of the traditions, the bearer of history. The work and creativity of the male are not to be affected by transient influences, and so on. The female is Nikeva, nakav, fixed. This is a particular derach of Rav Hirsch, about languages that he uh, uh, uses throughout his works. Women receive her purpose of life and accept it, um, and so on. Precisely because she is not required to choose vocation and attain a position on her own, she can function as the nurturer of all that is truly human in mankind. Consider the momentous words which the father of all mankind, the educator and guardian for the course of human history, has proclaimed the ultimate healing and ingathering of mankind from the vagaries of their experiments in history-making. Ki bara chadasha ba'aretz, nekeva gaver. It is God who creates new things on earth, women and circles The male must strive to attain a vocation, a position, defined by a specific lot in the world, through which he is to make his personal contribution to fulfillment, the purpose common to all mankind. But as he struggles for success and achievements, he runs the danger of losing himself. He may come to regard his endeavors, which in fact are only a mean towards an end, as ends in themselves, as an all-absorbing purpose of life, forgetting the larger purpose. He may in time come to subordinate and sacrifice the truly human aspects of his life, to these superficial endeavors. This error probably accounts for virtually all the errors and delusions that have marked the history of mankind. It is the women who can lead the man back to true humanity. The enigma of history can be solved and one considers the dominant role of the female. The male is encircled, i.e. kept within the sphere of purely human existence and activity by the female, who is entrusted with safeguarding the nobler aspects of life. That is how the male can revert from being merely a prestigious public figure to the pristine state of a human being in accordance with the will of a kish particle. And he goes on uh, to talk about the differing roles in very interesting ways. The Ravzatzal, very much in the same spirit, spoke about axiological uh, identity or equality, together with polarity of roles. And again, the idea of complementarity of the two, the concept, of course of Ezer Kinegdo. This difference, or these differences, together with the uniformity, is built in to the entire structure of Halakha, as we well understand. On the one hand, the uniformity, as I discussed before, including the question of kedusha Sisrael, which is entrusted with Dafka Jewish women. At the same time, in every area of Halakha, while women uh, play an equal role, that role is usually diverse, different. When it comes to the matter of Kedushas Yisrael, the women dominate. When it comes to the matter of Yichus, family, Shevet, Koin Levi Yisrael, when it comes to matters of inheritance, Yerusha, these are perceived to be more titular or public or formal, uh, more vocational aspects, and therefore the Halacha entrusts them in the hands of men. The marriage ceremony, which by definition is a bris, a covenant between men and women, is one in which the roles are intended to be different. Ki'ikach ish isha, not ki'tilokach isha ish, And the attitudes and connection to the mitzvah of Piri of Arivia and various other aspects are different um, as well. Kohanim, who have the avoda. That's a male orientation. status of a bas is quite a different expression um, of kahuna. In other words, when it comes to the implementation of halacha, the role differentiation is clear and evident, but it's not one which reflects in any way um, axiological differences, or certainly not inferiority, but one which, as we discussed in the other equal and different paradigms is one which is deemed to be more spiritually efficient more spiritually maximalist in the bigger picture the fact that women don't serve as judges and witnesses all these are consistent with the more public and private dichotomy um, uh, other aspects again which accentuate more the um, inner aspect rather than the public all of these represent a clear and evident pattern. Time is almost up, so let me just uh, conclude in the following way. We live in an era in which um, you know, these issues are, uh, have become very controversial. Understandably, uh, we live in a society which uh, ascribes to the principle of unfettered egalitarianism. Uh, in many respects, that has had some very positive um, repercussions terms of dignity of man, combating racism. Even when it comes to the genders, there have been many um, constructive consequences for people's heightened sensitivity. We also live in an age of technology which has freed people in terms of their time and their energies and their efforts, certainly allowed for greater focus on Avodah Hashem, Talmud Torah, uh, Chesed, etc. And it behooves us to examine Uh, Both the challenges, the negative parts, as well as the constructive opportunities that society provides for us um, in all areas, including the gender relationship issues. Uh, Recently, there's been a lot of uh, talk, um, you know, people have uh, suggested some uh, very revolutionary and in some cases very unacceptable um, 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 considerations uh, of reassessment of the roles of genders, as well as um, other issues of egalitarianism that have nothing to do with genders, uh, it's very important for us to maintain a consistent posture which is rooted in and stems from uh, our preamble. Uh, It's important that we filter and we use as a prism not only the details of halakha, but the values of halakha. And if we do that, then truly we will emerge uh, once again deserving or fitting of the title Kadosh. Not only in our relationship with the rest of the world, but as a way of accentuating our appreciation for uniformity and equality on the one hand, but enriched by diversity and diverse roles, which enhances all of Kal Yisrael. This is the principle that we should be applying as we uh, investigate um, how to proceed in a matter which is consistent with our Messorah and the Messorah of Kalisrael. Thank you very much.